following is a Bible study in a series entitled Growing in Grace and Knowledge, put together by the pastors at Living Savior Lutheran Church in Asheville and Hendersonville, North Carolina. This Bible study grows our understanding of the Christian life so that we would grow in our Christian life. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to week three of this series entitled Growing in Grace and Knowledge. What you've noticed thus far with each of these Monday previews is that Monday kind of serves as a primer uh, to get you ready as you can look through the five lessons that are shared. If you aren't getting in the emails and you would like to grow in this, these understandings of these various topics in Scripture, uh, please feel free to reach out to us on our website, lsavior.org. That's lsavior.org. You can also just email me directly. That's pastorkervis at lsavior.org. We'd love to be able to continue to share these resources and many others with you as Pastor Zell and I uh, work through this series together. So again, this, this Monday is supposed to serve as kind of a primer, just to prime the pump as you then get an opportunity to open up your Bible and then to dig into uh, God's Word as you, as you study these various topics. So far, we've covered the Christian life. What is that about? Where do we find motivation for that, etc.? That was week number one. And then last week, Pastor Zell introduced uh, the subject of prayer. Certainly, there's a lot of areas where we can, uh, we can improve in our prayer life. And then now this week is the subject matter of worship. So what is worship all, of, all about? What is it that God desires? Um, what should what should make worship really successful um, in as we view God's way of describing it? So um, we're just going to jump right in. And if you if you have questions, please write them down. This is all also to serve as a primer for the two other opportunities later this week to discuss this further. So on Wednesday morning at 10 a.m., um, there's a, a Zoom session that meets there, and then uh, and then there's another one Thursday evening at seven. So uh, Pastor Zell and I lead those, and we'd love for you to join other Christians. We've had some great discussion last week, and we're looking forward to that again. It's a great opportunity to to talk about questions that you have, and also to to just grow in our understanding as as iron sharpens iron. So today, the subject of worship, I think probably every Christian on planet Earth has a lot of opinions about worship, um, but it's probably more important that we would see what God has to say uh, about worship. So the first subject that we're going to consider comes from the, the epistle to the Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 10. And in there, there's just a, a phrase that's really important that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of stress first. The, the phrase or the verse that's, that's important to stress is when he says, let us not give up meeting together. So let's not give up meeting together. The, the writer to the Hebrews, he's given them a lot of encouragements as we consider that we don't know how much longer we're going to be on this planet and, and to have this life. So during this time of grace, what are some of the things, the directives that God would give? He gives several of them. And the one is to not give up meeting together. Now he's not just talking about, you know, meeting together like for, you know, a cookout out, out behind someone's someone's yard. No, the, the word there is actually the word for gathering at a synagogue, which is the place for worship. So let's not give up worshiping together. There's there's not only this emphasis on being in the in the presence of God and his word, but also being with one another. That's kind of a that's kind of a challenging thing when when you think about the the last year, it's been just about a year now that worship has changed uh for really for the the long term. Um, throughout this this crazy era that we've been living in 
Um, so when you think about that, though, how, how challenged has your worship life been when you think about the value of participating with one another? That worship is not just about, well, it's between me and God. If, if somebody ever says that, they don't really understand the value of, of being not only connected to God through his word, where he promises to, to work, but also being connected to, to others. I think of the many times when, for example, we, we met for, for drive-in and it had been a, long, it been a while since we had had worship and just the ability for people to see others. It's one of those things that they didn't really recognize they were missing until, until they saw it. Or even if somebody's been, been able to, to have private communion and there's somebody on the other side of the church and, and they each can have communion. They're maybe separated by, by dozens of feet, but, but they're able to still kind of have that moment of worship, even if it wasn't like the way it used to be. Or even people that do gather safely in, in person. Whatever it is, there is something very valuable that God never designed us to have a worship life that is isolated. To live on an island and to just say, this is in between me and God. No, let's, let's not give a meeting together. Also, let's, let's not give a meeting. Maybe at all. Maybe it's important to also consider how these times have really encouraged. If we're honest, if we're honest, this is passing no, no judgment on people's safety precautions, but everyone really should pause for a moment and think for themselves. Has, have these times, have these times made my worship life and the consistency of my worship life better or worse? What do you think? It probably comes as no surprise that pastors think about that a lot as they look at everyone in their various churches and even the trends across Christianity in our culture, in our country, and even throughout the world. And it comes as no surprise that these times have made it easier than ever for people to not be as consistent at worship. So you think about an application like, you know, um, well, I go sometimes, you know, well, there's even more encouragement to go less, to be in worship less. I think it also comes as no surprise that worshiping at home, there's more distractions. It's it's harder for people to do that. Uh, studies are through the roof on this. It's, it just is. So for a person to say, it's really better that I just worship by myself at home, um, you, you would be very, very, very odd according to the patterns and the makeup of, the, well, the way that, the, that we're wired, especially in comparison to just about everybody else. It's, there's just some challenges that we need to identify here, especially because of what we get, what, which is exactly what we need in worship. When he says, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us do this, let us meet together all the more as we see judgment day approaching, that, that final day. We need the, the eternal gospel that's going to outlast Judgment Day. That's going to take us beyond. That, that's going to prepare us for that day and everything in, in between. What a, what a wonderful encouragement that, that we have in worship that there's something that really goes on there that, that's different from the rest of life. It's not just a physical rest that we need. You know, like after a long day, it's, a, it's an eternal rest that God gives our souls it's his, it's his gospel. So that kind of leads us to, to one of the other goals. If you're able to have those, uh, those sheets in front of you, great. Otherwise, even if you're just tuning in or listening as you're driving down the road, one of the, other, one of the main objectives, the goals, the first one is to see why God wants us to be regular and consistent. There's, there's value there, but also as, especially because it's the, it's the main thing that God does, namely encouraging us through his word to prepare us for, for judgment day. 
the one of the other goals then is, and I'm looking at the, the third one, which is to make sure that we're getting the thing that we need in worship. So that means that there's something that needs to be the center focus in worship. It, it needs to be on, on center stage, we would say. So what is that? Um, at the beginning, I, I noted that probably every single Christian has, has an opinion about worship. What makes it good? What makes it valuable? What they like? What they don't like? Etc. Etc. I don't know if you knew that, that people have, have opinions on stuff. <laughs> and, and Christians, yeah, they do too on, uh, in worship. So let me ask for a second, what, what is it that you think makes good worship? Uh, a worship service that you think like, yeah, that was awesome. That, that, that's exactly what I, not just maybe what I want, but also maybe more importantly, what you need. If you're, if you're walking out on, on Sunday, if you think about the, your, your most favorite worship services, what are, what are the ones where you're like, that, that was it? Is it just the music that you liked? Kind of the way it, or something that made you feel good? Um, is it the setting, the, the ambiance? Is it a sense of nostalgia? Is it people kind of being near you? Is it the, the presence of others? Or uh, what, what is it? What is it? Well, God's word gives us something that's pretty definitive. And since worship is all about praising God and recognizing who he is, ascribing worth to him, but also receiving this eternal value in his gospel, then it's no wonder that God would point our eyes to that gospel as the main thing, the thing that needs center stage in worship. I'm going to share with you a section from a few verses from the beginning of Paul's, the Apostle Paul's letter to the Romans chapter 1. So right at the beginning, Romans um, Romans chapter 1, beginning with verse 14, he says, I'm obligated both to Greeks and non-Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish. That is why I'm so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are at Rome. And then he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. So the, the gospel, it literally means good news, and it is the specific information that God in love sent his son to be our savior. When the angels appeared in Luke chapter 2, they, they say to the shepherds, I bring you good news of great joy that is for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. You could summarize the gospel that way. A savior to and for you. That's, that's what the good news is. But the gospel is not just information. It is also power. It is the tool that God has chosen to use to create faith. So, yes, people can be informed that there is a Savior, but that information, that message, is not just information for the brain. It is also power that changes and transforms hearts, creates saving faith, and even transforms lives that are now changed from darkness to light, from, from foreigner or enemy to now child of God and heir of eternal life. So the gospel then needs to be at the center stage. So when Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, he's using a, a, a type of part of speech there called lightities. And lightities is basically when you're saying, you say one thing, but you mean the opposite. It's kind of like if you told me um, here in Western North Carolina, oh, we've been, we've been getting a lot of rain. And I say to you, oh, you're not lying. You ain't lying. 
What I mean there is the question wasn't whether or not you were telling the truth, but by mentioning, oh, you're not lying, I'm really stating, oh, you're, you're, you're telling the gospel truth. That's what Paul is saying. Are we, really, are we really worried that he's, whether or not Paul's ashamed to share the gospel? No, but he's, it's his way of kind of, you state the opposite of a thing to, to stress it. I'm, I'm really, really encouraged to share the gospel. And why? Because it's the power of God for the salvation of all who believe. This is the, the thing that God uses. So when you, when you think about what makes good worship, not just maybe the thing that we want, the thing that we need, oh, I, I, I did or did not like that song, I did or did not like that prayer or that music, what have you. Those are important considerations, but putting all of those things on the scale, so to speak, what deserves center stage? The number one thing that we need, it's that from beginning to end, from the invocation in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, to the blessing, the Lord bless you and keep you, the the most important thing that needs to be on center stage throughout is the thing that God uses to change hearts. The gospel, that, that needs to be on center stage. So as you think about the various ways that Pastor Zell and I and Vicar and, and others, when we think about worship and music and prayers and et cetera, and lessons and sermons and planning and, and themes and series that are attuned to the various seasons throughout the church here, when, when you think about that throughout the whole year or even just a single service, what's the number one consideration? It's the gospel. What are some specific ways that you know that you get the gospel? That it's, it's put right on center stage. If you think of uh, maybe a sermon, a sermon is a dud if it doesn't share the gospel. <laughs> that you, you need to hear the pastors and the vicar tell you not only this is where we fall short and, or this is what makes life better. No, the most important thing is that you get to hear specifically from that text that this is Jesus for you. That in the prayers you hear about Christ for you, a Savior for you. That in the songs, it's you can sing about a lot of things and, and maybe they can be emotionally moving. And that's not a bad thing, even for maybe people that might be sticks in the mud. It's really not a, it's not a bad thing. The most important thing, though, is what? That you hear about your Savior's work. That the church sings together as we gather together about, about the praiseworthy deeds of God, our Savior, who lived for us and died for us and rose again on the third day. And by recounting these things, people, young and old, are centering their worship on the gospel. It's, it's all about the gospel. So the, the things that we've talked about thus far, it's not only the importance of re regularity and consistency in worship, the value that we get, and really what's on center stage throughout worship. There's some, there's some more goals that I'd invite you to consider too, to, to understand the importance of participating in worship. Take a look maybe at Colossians 3, uh, 15 to 17, and then also to understand some principles. In, in our discussions, in the Zoom discussions that we're going to have um, later this week, uh, Wednesday morning at 10 and then Thursday evening at 7. Uh, we're going to talk a lot more about those. So maybe I write down some, Im some important questions that you have about worship the, and maybe even some what you think ought to be some principles as you get to look at not only Colossians 3, but also Psalm 149. Psalm 149, the first four verses. So the idea of, of um, music and how people are to use that, what, 
worship is supposed to be not just something that we do once, uh, one hour once a week, which is such a small percentage. It's it's actually part of the rhythm of life. Um, so to, 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 to think about that a little bit more deeply, we're going to get a chance to talk about that uh, later this week. And Pastor Zell and I are really looking forward to that. Um, thanks again for tuning in to this. Again, just priming the pump for further discussions later this week. Let's close with prayer. Gracious God and Savior, we thank you that we have the opportunity to worship, that you gather your people um, around your word, and that you feed us and nourish, nourish us, not just with some information, but with your powerful gospel. Help us to keep that as our primary focus, so that in everything we do through word and song and prayer, you would strengthen our hearts and lives, as we would not only worship you, but we would grow closer to you now and forever. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Take care.